Middleton, and in this episode, I'm speaking with Christina Garcia about her adaptation of her acclaimed novel, Dreaming in Cuban. Christina is a novelist and playwright, as well as a sought-after teaching artist. She has adapted three of her novels for Central Works Theatre, where she is playwright-in-residence, and has also adapted The Three Sisters by Anton Chekhov as The Palacio Sisters. In June 2022, Dreaming in Cuban opens at Central Works. Welcome, Christina, and thank you for joining. Thank you, Patricia. It's great to be here with you again. Of course, I'm going to ask the cliched question about your inspiration for originally writing the novel, which is, I believe, almost 30 years old. Yes, it's my very first novel, and I will cast back along the decades (laughs) and try and remember. Well, you know, basically, I was a journalist at the time, and my territory was the Caribbean, Florida and the Caribbean, but I could not get to Cuba. Essentially, I started writing about Cuba because I couldn't actually get to Cuba as a journalist. And so Dreaming in Cuban started as a poem that got a little out of control. And And, and so essentially it was that. It was that combination of being so close to Cuba but not being able to get there that sort of forced me to find another way to write about it that wasn't journalism. That's so interesting, a, a novel-length poem. It's amazing. <laughs> because well, it is I, so I don't know if I kept poetic. up the poetry. For, it's but... very, no, it's a very, I find it to be very, very poetic, actually. I mean, all the characters are so real, but the, there is quite a bit of poetry in the in the writing of it. Well, I, I think at the time, too, I was also reading poetry for the first time since I was forced to read E.E. E. Cummings in high school. Um, <laughs> and, and it was Garcia Lorca, and it was Octavio Paz. It was a lot of the Span- Spanish language poets, along with mm-hmm. Paula Stevens and others. And so... I think I got a little carried away, you know, I got swept up in uh, in this sort of new possibilities of language for myself. And I had been droning away as a journalist for all these years. So for me, yeah, more adjectives, flights of fancy. Yes, the moon is panicked and (laughs) or whatever, you know, Garcia Lorca was was a big fan of one of the characters uh, via me. Uh, Celia Del Pino loved Garcia Lorca. Well, it's so interesting, too, how language, the language that you speak comes up for each of the characters in the play and how Lourdes swears in Spanish, right? But she mm-hmm. uh, resists Cuba. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it's very interesting how her adoption of the English language seems to be she's putting her stake in the ground that this is her home now. Right, right. Yes, with the thickest Cuban accent that ever existed. Yes, but she is, (laughs) you know, damn it if she won't be American and and call her bakery the Yankee Doodle Bakery and so on and so forth. She's also, which isn't in the play, but very dedicated to those Thanksgiving Day parades and the floats and dreams of sponsoring a float one day, you know, in in New York in the 70s. So, yeah, she's all in on the whole uh, American uh, immigrant journeys. But I think 
a little bit more to your question, I think each of the characters, their lexicons in some way reflect their, not just their relationship with each other, but their relationship to the island, combined with their own longings and losses, of course. But I, I think each of them... I mean, it's a more com more complicated relationship to the island than is commonly understood. It's sort of with us or against us on both sides, and yet, and yet, their language and their longing, I hope, reflects a more nuanced sense of identity, um, belonging, unbelonging. Sometimes the longing, often not, and that has to do a lot with the generations, uh, if and if and when they left Cuba, and. And also what happened to their family, the big division over the, over the Cuban Revolution. Well, I'm wondering what it's like working with a piece that is from the past. And was there, I mean, I think of looking at some of my stuff from long ago. <laughs> so it's almost <laughs> like you meet yourself, you meet this woman that wrote this and it's like, who is this woman? Anyway, I, th I find it very interesting personally, and I wondered if there were any changes or alterations to the original that you had thought of. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, turning it into a play was, was just a huge leap because I, I think over time it had become, I don't know, almost, almost like a, an object, like a fixed object in a way. It's my most autobiographical novel, and so every or most of the main characters are all based on people in my family, and you know how it is. I didn't really want to go back there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and now to see these characters, including the one who was kind of my alter ego, the young punk artist Pilar, to mm -hmm. see them come alive and and. And so well in this small space was just, I can't, I don't know. I thought maybe I should get a psychologist to deal, help me deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the mother, the lord of this character who owns the Yankee Doodle Bakery and whatever. Yes. Uh, you know, to, and in Ana Maria Luera, who's the actor who's playing her, she's so good. She's almost too good. I'm afraid of her. <laughs> So, so there are challenges for me personally of, of bringing this to life again, almost, I don't know, that I think um, we have been talking about haunting at another time and, and I do feel like conjuring them up again in this way, I am self-haunting uh, <laughs> with the past, yeah. you know, yeah. or the past is haunting me, yeah. So in a lot of literature of colonialized places, haunting and ghosts play a big part because of the, the trauma and everything that whole communities have been through. But I, mm -hmm. I, th I find the theme of haunting, there are, there's uh, ghosts and there's also the being haunted by places, haunted by memories. I, I absolutely think you're right, and and I and I think it does go hand in hand with, with immigration, with big political upheavals, with all of the things that this book and these characters have undergone. You know, a revolution in Cuba, a a, a big separation, not just separation, but 
political, ideological, physical separate, you know, just not just physical separations among the family members, adaptations, you know, in many ways, Spanish becomes a, a language of ghosts for those who came here because it's a language of the past. Just to give you an idea, I was, you know, I grew up speaking my parents' 50s Spanish and 1950s Spanish. And then when I went back to Cuba for the first time in the early 80s, I was speaking that Spanish to my cousins and grandmother and family there for whom language had evolved. And, yeah. and so suddenly there I was. Imagine someone just popping up out of the 50s on your doorstep and speaking like Allen Ginsberg's howl or something, you know, it, it, it was just so, <laughs> wow. it was so crazy. And my aunt was like calling in all the neighbors and just say, speak again, speak again, let them hear you speak, you know, and people were just fascinated and applauding and howling. And, and so that, I mean, even language becomes a ghost. So I don't know how much I was conscious of all of this when I was, writing it that book came in a bit of a fury um and so to, to again to revisit it and, and, and to give it new life and it's quite different the play is quite different from the book I mean the characters are the same but their trajectories are somewhat different yeah it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> well I wanted to ask you about adapting because you've adapted Chekhov you adapted three sisters and you've mm -hmm. adapted th three of your own novels and mm -hmm. you've written original uh, plays. So can you talk a little bit about the process and how they're, they're a little different and yet and the same? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe because I've come so late to playwriting that it helps me uh, to have these templates to work off of and then to be very familiar with the story and then I can concentrate on turning it into a play because I think my my natural inclination is to write a novel and I can't even write a short story I mean even a haiku turns into a novel so everything <laughs> I mean when I first started writing plays my stage directions were like mini novels you know with lots of color and it's like <laughs> and, and Gary, our director, our fearless director, was like, we don't really need all this information. I mean, it was it was taking up most of the page. So for me, it's I've just been learning how to be spare. And and so that helps. I mean, even the one original play I've written, the Helga and Esther, which I think maybe you heard. We did yes, a, absolutely, a reading of yes. it. Um, that was a book I want, that was something I had wanted to do as a novel. And then I thought, no, no, let me, let me try this as a play. And I mean, I, I don't know, it hasn't been produced, but I ended up, I kind of went crazy with it. I had original music done. I had my daughter playing the clarinet throughout. I had a dancer. I mean, it was almost as if I was trying to do everything in the play that I get to orchestrate in a novel, you know, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and and so uh, I I don't I still don't know that I I have the hang of it, but it's so much fun. So I'm gonna keep doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I find your characters are very dramatic, 
the characters in your novels. I oh, mean, they're yeah. making bold choices and they're very active. And so I think that does lend And they're itself. in chronic conflict, that's for sure. Yes, exactly, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> so it definitely lends itself to the stage. And speaking of the stage, the Central Works stage at the Berkeley City Club is teensy and very intimate. And it, your novels are expansive right so how do you handle that <laughs> you're like right, spanning so many hundreds of miles and yeah lots of locations and so on so i know and 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 <laughs> in that and in that space you go out one door come out the other and you've traveled a thousand miles it's yes. it's really more miraculous than writing the novel <laughs> I mean, talk about suspension of disbelief. At least in the novel, you you know you have time you have time to get used to it, and you also have that plethora of detail the the sounds, the lights, the, the weather, the palm trees, whatever. And here, it's just it's really. I think that's what fascinates me about it. I I think it boils down to to me a, a kind of essential poetry, an essential spoken poetry, which which I continue to be in, intrigued with. How can, how can you do that to maximum effect? And also, as you said, in this tiny space where you're just a few feet away from your audience members, I don't really know how they pull it off. Well, Patricia, can I ask you, like you, how do you do it? I mean, you've been there a while and do you feel that you write to the space more or because your place, you know, just the last couple that I've seen set in Victorian times, there's insane asylums, there's murders, <laughs> you know, like, that's a little square for all of this to be happening, right? Yeah, well, uh, to me, the intimate space is so great for this particular art form, right? So mm. the, what is so wonderful about theater is that the audience as a group and as individuals join with the actors to go through the same experience in time and space, mm -hmm, right? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's not like a film where it's already happened and it's captured, um, right. it's happening right there. And so everyone is experiencing the thing, <laughs> the Right, everyone's like click their heels, right? That's click right. Three and so times and you're all there. Yeah, and I do, I do actually write for the space. And mm -hmm. I really admire how you, you can do a, a whole epic novel in such a small space. I don't know, it was, it's, a, it, I went through quite a few script sessions with Gary Graves, our director, and let's just put it this way, I, I had to get down to earth pretty quickly, you know, in terms of... <laughs> Let's, I couldn't be as epic as is my inclination. Let's put it that way. But I, I think it still has a, I think the characters and, you know, situationally and whatever, there's a lot at stake. And, and so I think that makes up for, for some of the you know, geographic and mm -hmm. time warps and all of these other leaps that you can do in a novel that, you know, that wouldn't make sense sequ sequentially. Um, in, a, in the play and in that space. Where I don't think we're making good use of those chandeliers. I think we could definitely have them. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I think you do use some character doubling, which I love. It's very mm. theatrical, and mm -hmm. I, th I find audiences really love it also. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And actors love it. So I did want to ask, we had had a conversation that I thought I found interesting, and I've talked to some other playwrights about writing um, during lockdown, uh, during the pandemic, yeah. when there actually, there was no theater <laughs> <laughs> not so, happening that was unbelievable and, you know some people became extremely prolific and productive and wrote all kinds of things and some people sat on their chair and, <laughs> and <laughs> stared into space wondered, right? yes exactly wondered what to do and it, i wondered if you could talk about how this worked for you yeah, yeah. i mean i i couldn't do much for months the only thing i did was I took a long walk every day or a hike and then I would sit, I would climb up to this reservoir in Marin and then I would sit there, they had little benches and then I would just write something by hand, which hasn't ended up anywhere actually. I just, you know, that went on for several months because I was, I, I had to, I had to force myself to turn the radio off. I mean, I, it was, it was, I was in such yeah. a state of anxiety. And also my daughter who lives in New York got COVID like that April, that first April, 2020. And so that oh was gosh. before vaccinations, before anyone really knew what it was, what the, so all of that was to put it mildly unhinging. Uh, and you know, I know I'm not alone. I ended up just listening to a lot of classical music and then I would, I would rejoice when, you know, the seals took over some small Chilean town or whatever, you know, like these little <laughs> acts of nature. I would, those, were, those were my only solaces, you know. But then I, I, had been, I had been working on a novel, which I pretty much just stopped working on. And then, and then slowly after maybe six, seven months, I made my way back in. And then once I got back in, became fully immersive and and not being able to do anything else was actually I, I mean I would never exchange it for this obviously but but not being able to do anything else made it in a way good for the novel because I gave it my un, uh, you know my devoted attention and and finally finished it just in early May so it was a mixed bag for me but I missed the camaraderie and I missed I missed everything about it and so I think I think that early period I was in kind of mourning for many mm -hmm. things, but in, including the theater, including that possibility of, of that spectacle that you don't get mm -hmm. any other way, you know, unless you mm -hmm. live in Miami among the Cubans, you don't get that spectacle every day, you know. <laughs> well, what's it like being back in the rehearsal room? A little terrifying, honestly, and and I, I think terrifying. Uh, only be, because, as I was saying earlier, because of these characters and because of the specters of the past and because uh, of seeing in particular the Lourdes character brilliantly done by Ana Maria Luera live before me. So I actually haven't spoken to my mother in almost 10 years. And then there she is. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> Stomping up and down that little room in close proximity. Uh, yeah. Um, but I think, um, I don't know, I, it's coming together so nicely. I'm, I'm very pleased 
with uh, how it's how it's unfurling overall. I still don't know how two weeks from yesterday they're going to open, but I we I don't know. Don't you always think that how is this going to come together in two weeks and then somehow miraculously it does? It just seems like part of the theatrical miracle. Um, yes. I, I'm feeling like I, I can't go to as many rehearsals as I did previously, partly maybe because I'm so close to the material and I just want it to... It's hard for me not to like storm on stage and and want to fix things, which of course would be a problem for our director. <laughs> In fact, I was doing that in one scene and he very, you know, very gently said something like, well, perhaps you could run that through me first. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, because it was like, there were two people supposed to be dead on stage and I'm like rearranging them. Um, so yeah, I, I need to kind of keep a little bit of distance, but n nothing's going to hold me back once it's up. I'll be there mouthing the words uh, from opening night on. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Oh, I thought it was so odd uh, rehearsing in masks. I thought it just was odd, especially in when something is funny, there's a humorous scene or if you know there's comedy. And then you can't see the person's face. <laughs> you can't see them. I, and the muffling, you know, and it's hard to have any kind of, you know, nuance register. Like everything, you have to shout it a little bit um, to, to even be heard. Yeah, I, I, I think my understanding is that the, the last week of rehearsal, they're not going to rehearse with masks. Is that what happened with your play? We negotiated what, when would people feel comfortable? And I was just afraid we're going to take the mask off and people are going to start cracking up because they're going to see the other person. <laughs> right, and right. So, uh, right. And then some right. of my actors make very funny faces. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we did, we did. I think it was the last, well, the last few rehearsals we did. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's going to be the same with us as well. Yeah. So I am, I am, I don't know. I, I kind of think that, the seats should come with seat belts because <laughs> I think so too. Because <laughs> I think it's a shock for everyone. We're moving ahead and keeping everything crossed and hoping hoping that it flies. There's there's such a life force drive with theater, don't you think? Yes. That old phrase, the show must go on. I mean, we're like doing this in spite of it. <laughs> in spite of like all the stop signs and red light. I remember seeing, I forget what was the first thing that I saw going back. I went to a, an outdoor concert mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and everybody was just so filled with joy mm, to listen mm -hmm. to the singing and the singers on stage just kept saying, we're so grateful to be here. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. we were so grateful to hear them sing and experience it. It's just, there's when it's live, it, it's just really, really special. I can't wait to see it. Well, I'm so excited. We'll, we'll coordinate dates because I want to be there next to you. And um, Absolutely. Because your laughter is very comforting. <laughs> Even through the mask, I'm laughing. Even through the masks, right? <laughs> well, I so appreciate you doing this podcast with me and um, and our previous one as well. I, I feel so much solidarity with you, Patricia, in the trenches at <laughs> Central Works. And, um, and also thank you, Greg Sharpen, for facilitating this. And 
um, not letting me leave the fan on, try and get away with it on this 97 degree day, but I won't hold it against you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Christina. Okay, take care, guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Central Work Script Club. For more information about Christina's work, visit ChristinaGarciaNovelist.com. For information about Dreaming in Cuban at Central Works, to read the script, and to order tickets, visit centralworks.org.